Great to see all of you and those of you that are new here today. It's wonderful to have you join us and uh, look forward to meeting you afterwards and having a cup of tea or coffee with you. This morning we're going to continue through uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. So we've got up to chapter 8 and verse 3. So we're going to look from verse 4 onwards. But just before we do that, let's just pray and uh, bring, bring ourselves before the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, that you are in the midst of us. Lord, I pray that this morning, that uh, the things that I say and the things uh, that I think would be pleasing to you, Lord. I pray that my thoughts and my actions and my words would be pleasing to you, would bring you glory this morning. Lord, as we sit under your word, we pray that you would speak to us and that you would Show us uh, your truth and that it would bring change in our lives and it would give us a revelation of who you are. We pray that our eyes would be opened, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are here in the midst of us. And uh, we ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so today's topic is called Violating Your Brother's Conscience. And uh, it's 1 Corinthians Chapter 8, from verse 4 onwards. And the last message I preached uh, was on chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, and it was all about knowledge puffs up, but, uh, sorry, yeah, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I had a lot of people come up to me afterwards, a couple of people come up to me afterwards and say, well, what's the answer? Are they allowed to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols, or aren't they? And I didn't realize that I basically didn't uh, get to uh, answering that question last time. And it uh, wasn't my intention to leave you hanging on a cliff waiting for the answer, but uh, you, you don't have to wait much longer because from this message onwards, we'll start unpacking it and you'll begin to see uh, exactly what God thinks of the uh, topic. But it's going to take a couple of weeks to get through it all. And I know that we live in an instant society and we want uh, instant answers and we want to just jump on and Google it and go, okay, well, there it is. Uh, but sometimes the uh, walking the journey is more important than getting to a destination. Amen? And so we're going to walk a bit of a journey uh, through chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians uh, over the next couple of weeks. And so let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians in chapter 8. You can actually just stay in this passage in your Bible. I'll jump around a little bit to other scriptures, but if you want to, you can just stay and you can just go through it verse by verse. That's kind of how I've structured this message. It doesn't have points. Uh, hopefully it does have points, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, well, let's see what the Lord says uh, to you individually through it. But I'm just going to go through it uh, verse by verse, and we'll start uh, at verse 4. And verse 4 says, So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? See, Paul had the same reaction. He talked about knowledge puffs up, and now he's going, So what about it? That's what you've been asking. What about it? Well, He says, we all know that an idol is not really a God and that there is only one God. That's the truth. There is only one God. There are no such things as a rival God. Okay? There may be so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, 
And some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. That's all pretty standard stuff for Christians. There is one God, and that's it. We understand that. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Anything else is not really a God. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches. Then Paul continues. However, even though you know this, however, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. So some believers believe that idols are actually real gods. How many of you know that none of us knows it all? In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you don't know very much. And now turn to them again and say, but I know even less. <laughs> See, the Bible says that all of us currently know in part. There's a reason I've chosen this shirt to wear. It wasn't just, normally I just pick whatever's on the top of the pile and wear it. But today I looked for the shirt. Because it's got black, white, and gray. And in life... There are certain things that we all agree on that is a black. It's a sin. It's wrong. Then there are other areas that we know that's a good thing. But then there are other areas that are gray areas. Some people say it's wrong. Other people say it's right. We know in part, okay? And while we're here on earth, there are gray areas. But you need to know this. When Jesus returns, there will be no gray. When he judges, it'll all be black and white. Because he doesn't judge in part. He doesn't know in part. He knows in full, in infinite knowledge. And so every gray area, it's up to Jesus to say whether it's actually black or white. He will paint it the right color on the final judgment day. We never get the opportunity to paint something black or white here on earth, ever. Because all we do is we separate people. If I take something gray and I paint it white, all the people that think it's black are offended. If I take something gray and paint it black, all the people who think it's white are offended. And that's all that happens. But when Jesus comes back, he will judge without any partiality. He will judge with infinite knowledge. And all the gray areas will suddenly become crystal clear. And we'll go, my goodness, I never saw that. <laughs> because right now, we know in part. So some Christians think these idols are real gods. And Paul says, and their weak conscience is violated. They believe that if they eat this food that's sacrificed to idols, they're sinning. That's what they believe. And inside of them, their consciences are violated. They believe it's wrong. And so eating food sacrificed to idols violates their conscience because inside of them, they think it's wrong. And so when they do it, they feel guilty. They feel like, oh, I've sinned. You can think of your conscience as your moral compass. It's that inner voice inside of you that's, 
that says what you're doing is either right or wrong. It's like a compass. It points to north or it doesn't. Well, hopefully it, it points to north. But, but it's, it's telling you what you are doing is wrong and you feel bad and you should feel bad. That's what a conscience is all about. If it's working properly, you're doing something wrong, it should make you feel bad. Or if you're doing something good, you should feel, hey, I'm doing something right. That's the role of your conscience. And so when these guys are eating this food that is being sacrificed to idols, for some of them, nothing's happening. But for other Christians, their compass is going crazy. Beep, 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 mayday, mayday. What we're doing is wrong. The judgment of the Lord is going to come upon me. Other guys are eating meat and going, thank you, Lord, for my meat. I pray that you bless this food to my body in Jesus' name. Amen. And they dig in. And they don't feel a thing because their conscience tells them it's okay. And other people's conscience is saying it's not okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Your compass is different to the compass of the person sitting next to you. They're not the same. One person reacts in one way to something. The other person reacts in another way to something. What you think is right, they might think is wrong. Your conscience is calm and quiet, but they're going crazy inside. <laughs> On the surface, it's the same issue. But underneath the surface, it's a whole different story. That's what's going on here in Corinth. <clears throat> Paul says some of these Christians believe that idols are not really gods at all. So what does it matter? Kingdom of God's not a matter of eating or drinking. I can eat what I want. And I'm not sinning. Other Christians are, oh, no. We can't eat this stuff because it's been offered to a God. Other Christians are saying there is only one God. How can they offer it to a God if there is only one? Was it offered to Jesus? It's okay then. They go, no, it was offered to some other god, Zeus or Apollo or whatever. <laughs> well, they're not real gods, so it wasn't offered to a god at all. It's okay. This is the dilemma that these guys are facing. things are really clear in the Bible. It's pretty clear that murder is wrong. I think all of us, our conscience would react if it was an issue of murder. Okay? But other things are gray areas. <clears throat> and our conscience operates out of what we believe the truth to be. It's what you think the truth is. That's how your conscience works. So we think, well, all of our consciences should react in the same way on a particular topic, but they don't, because we all believe different things. <laughs> some of us believe something's right, some of us believe something's wrong. There's a difference. You might think drinking alcohol is wrong. Other people might think it's fine. Person sitting next to you might think it's fine and you might think it's wrong. Different compasses, different reactions to the scriptures. It's a gray area. 
You might think that watching certain shows on TV is wrong and other people might think it's okay. You might think that watching an R-rated movie is wrong. Does that mean watching The Passion of the Christ is wrong? Because that's R-rated. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> what about tattoos? Some people think they're wrong. Some people think there's no problem with them. Difference in conscience. Each of our consciences are different. We're not to judge each other's conscience. Why? Because that job's already taken. The Lord will judge our consciences. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 4. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 4. My conscience is clear, Paul says. But that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. See, Paul says, my conscience is clear. And sometimes I've said this. I've got a clear conscience. The Bible says that doesn't mean you're right. You just got a clear conscience. You could be wrong. One day Jesus is going to come back and tell you if you're right or wrong. He gets to make the final choice. <laughs> because it's a gray area and I'm going, well, I'm okay. I'm painting it white. Jesus might come back and paint it black. Oh, my word. That's what he's saying here. <clears throat> and I know I've said this before. Where I've said, well, I'm right in my heart. Uh, my conscience is clear, therefore you should think the same way. But we can't do that. <laughs> what we're really saying is my conscience says this thing is wrong. Therefore, everybody should see it as wrong as well. We can't do that. Paul says, even if you think you're right, it doesn't prove you're right. I can think of so many times in my life where I was absolutely sure I was right. <laughs> and now God says to me, okay, well, didn't prove you're right, but one day I'll tell you. When I come back, I will tell you whether you are right or wrong. <laughs> He'll decide. He'll examine me, and he'll decide if what I've done is right or wrong. See, we can be right in our own eyes, but wrong in the eyes of the Lord. That's a bit scary, isn't it? <laughs> Some things are very clear in the Bible. Lying is wrong. Okay, If you think lying is right, you haven't read the Bible. <laughs> Drunkenness is wrong. Sexual immorality is wrong. But other things are a gray area. And here we're dealing with one of them. Eating meat sacrificed to idols. It's a gray area. And it's a big issue. Why? It's such a, the reason it's such a big issue is because most of the new converts come out of Judaism. Where they have to eat something that's kosher. And so now they're coming into a freedom in the Lord. Some of them are embracing freedom and some of them can't. And there's a difference in conscience. And Paul is saying, how are we going to resolve this? Because you can't just say, well, all of us have to just get on the one page. We should all be free or we should all not be free. You know, somehow we've got to work this out. It's a real issue for these guys. So Paul turns to those who say eating meat sacrificed to idols is not wrong. To those who have a clear conscience on this issue. And he says to those 
who have superior knowledge, in inverted commas. He says it's true. We're carrying on in 1 Corinthians 8. That we don't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't gain anything if we do eat it. He's basically saying, you're right. Eating food is neither right nor wrong. The kingdom of heaven is not about what you eat. In Romans 14, verse 14, he makes the same statement. He says, I know and I am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. Pretty clear. That's a revelation Paul has had regarding food. And he says, I don't just know it, I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus. I mean, he's really stamping it and saying, I'm 100% sure that it's okay. I mean, who's going to argue with this guy? In the next chapter, chapter 9, Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen the Lord Jesus with my own eyes? You're going to argue with me? <laughs> I've seen God. How many of you have seen God? Oh, okay. <laughs> and he says, Isn't it because of my work that you even belong to the Lord? If I didn't come, there wouldn't even be a church in Corinth. You're here because of me. <laughs> And he says, I can tell you with 100% certainty that eating food won't defile you in any way. That's what Paul's saying. So what's the problem? Surely all they have to do, tell the guys who have a weak conscience to say, hey, get on the page. Nothing's going to happen to you, man. Just eat the stuff. Pray, say grace and eat it. And if they've still got a problem with it, well, then that's their problem. But I'm eating meat. Maybe that's the way to go about it. Paul says, ah, now that's a problem. That attitude is a big problem. Paul says it's not about eating food or not eating food. Verse 9, chapter 8, he says, but you must be careful so that your freedom doesn't cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are actually sinning against Christ. Even though you think you're fine, you're sinning. So he has the real issue. It's not about eating food, sacrificed to idols, or not eating it. It's not about the rule. See, the Bible says that all the law and the prophets hang on something. You know what it is? Love. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Like there's the hook, and they hang on love. That's the point. It's not about the rule. It's about are you loving? Are you showing love one to another? This is what Paul is saying. You're actually not showing love. 
And that's an issue for God. You haven't even stopped to consider that your actions are encouraging other weaker Christians to violate their consciences. And that means you're causing them to sin because when you violate your conscience, you're sinning. If you think something is wrong and you do it, you're sinning. Even though Jesus might come back and say it's actually not wrong. The fact that you violated your own conscience means you're sinning. That's what the Bible teaches. <clears throat> if you don't violate your conscience and you do something, well then you might be sinning <laughs> or you might not. <laughs> Jesus will come back and decide. But if you violate your conscience, you definitely are sinning. That's what a conscience is for. It's to go, hey, hang on a minute. What I'm doing is wrong. But if you just say, oh, well, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. You're sinning. <laughs> There's a far greater issue here than is something right or wrong for a believer to do. It's how are you handling the issue? Is it being done in love? Have you considered the ramifications of what you are doing? When you exercise your freedom... What result is that having on another believer? That's what Paul is saying. So let's put it into today's context because eating meat sacrificed to idols might not be an issue that we're facing here today, but let's talk about some things that could be issues in our context. Some Christians believe that going to a nightclub is perfectly fine. Other Christians believe going to a nightclub is wrong. It's sinning. It's a gray area. What do we do? You might say, well, I'm free in Christ. If I want to go to a nightclub, I can go to a nightclub. It's not a sin. It's not like I'm going to take drugs or get drunk or anything like that. I'm just going to go there and hang out with my friends and enjoy the music, put some dance moves on the dance floor. and That's all I'm going to do. There's nothing wrong with that. My conscience is clear. If you've got a problem with that, then that's your problem. <laughs> And so you go to the club, and a weaker believer sees you going to the club. And they come up to you and they say, hey, mate, what are you doing here? I thought, I thought Christians weren't allowed to go to clubs. And you turn around to them and you say, no, that's rubbish, mate. Of course we can go to a club. Where is it in the Bible that says I can't go to a nightclub? Show me the verse. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not... I'm not getting drunk here, and I'm not taking drugs. I'm not doing any kind of other sins. I'm just here to hang out. And so the weaker believer thinks about it, the guy with a weaker conscience, he thinks about it. He thinks, well, if they're a more mature believer, I know they've been saved a long time, maybe it is okay. So next week, they go to the nightclub as well. But inside of them, they feel funny. And they're like, mm, I don't know whether I'm supposed to be here or not. It doesn't feel right. I feel guilty. Well, then the stronger believer has violated, has caused the weaker believer to do something that violates their conscience. And the stronger believer has sinned, the Bible says. You do something that encourages another believer to violate their conscience, you've sinned. That's what this is saying. <clears throat> verse 9, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Paul says, But you must be careful so that your freedom 
doesn't cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, or whatever it is that you're doing, going to a nightclub, drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, putting the odd bet on a horse, going to the movies, getting a tattoo, whatever it is, it's the gray area. If, if you do that, if you exercise your freedom and you know that your brother or sister in the Lord has a problem with it and you know they're going to struggle because of it, then you're sinning because you're not acting in love towards your brother or sister in the Lord. <clears throat> you see, let me add this. You only violate your conscience when you do something that's wrong. Not when you believe. So it's not like, oh, I've done this. Joe's got a problem with it. He's seen me. He's offended. That's not violating his conscience. It's if he does what I'm doing and violates his conscience. So I say to him, hey, you know what? Come and have a drink with me. But inside he's churning. But I've encouraged him to do something. It's not just he's seen me have a drink. I've encouraged him to violate his conscience. That's a sin. We're going to go around. We're going to do things. People are going to be offended with us all the time. Okay? Okay? That's the reality of life. But it's when we do something and we encourage someone else to violate their conscience. That's the problem. This is what Paul's saying. Won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to an idol? They haven't violated their conscience until they eat the food. They might be upset before, but it's when they eat the food they're violating their conscience, okay? <clears throat> this is what's happening in Corinth. The actions of the stronger believers were causing the weaker believers to copy them and thereby violate their consciences. So here's the thing. If you don't have a problem with having a glass of wine with your meal, hey, Jesus had a glass of wine with his meal. Amen? <laughs> True. Paul said to Timothy, take some wine for your stomach. Maybe Timothy had a weak conscience and he had, whoa, I'm struggling here. I don't know whether, I, I know I should be taking wine for my stomach, but I can't do it. Paul's saying, hey, be free. Take some wine, man. Get your stomach sorted out. That's what's happening. If you feel free and you invite someone over to your house and they go, ooh, well, I don't know, I've, you know, I've got a problem with this. You just go, okay, not a problem. We'll just take the wine off the table and you can have water. You just won't have it. Okay? That's love. I'm not saying, ah, you've got you, you need to like get knowledge here. You need to get a revelation out of scripture. Watch me drink this bottle of wine. I'll show you. <laughs> See if the Lord strikes me with lightning. Let him be the judge. No. 
You show love to the person. And if they turn around to you and they say, oh, no, don't worry about it. Look, I won't have, but you can have. That's okay then. Then have, because you're free to have it. You get, it's all about walking in unity, walking in love with each other. That's the key issue here. It's not the rule that's the issue. It's whether we love people or not. Are we loving our brothers and sisters? That's the key thing. <clears throat> And that's what these Corinthians aren't doing. Those with superior knowledge weren't willing to lay down their freedom. They weren't willing to lay down their rights for someone else. They exercised their freedom regardless of the impact it was having on other believers' lives. They weren't willing to say, okay, I'm not willing, I won't eat this meat. If it's going to cause you problems, I just won't eat it. It's just meat after all. I can have veggies or whatever else I can have. I'll have my meat when I get to heaven. I mean, Jesus ate a fish after he was resurrected in his resurrected body. <laughs> okay? Paul says, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. See, this is how love thinks. Love is I don't want to cause anybody else to stumble. I'll sacrifice so that they don't have to stumble. I will lay down my rights so that they don't stumble. That's love. See, before we had kids, I'd listen to any radio station in the car that I wanted to. Kids come along, whoop, change the station, put it on the one that's, you know, not going to have any swearing or any other kind of thing going on. Why? Because I don't want to cause them to stumble. Why? Because I genuinely love my kids. When you love someone, it's easy to lay things down. When you don't, whoa, then there's a struggle for my rights. <clears throat> Sometimes we find it hard to do that for another believer. Because if we're honest, we see ourselves as more important than them. Hey, I've got superior knowledge. They need to get on my page. I'm not getting on their page. I'm the one with the revelation of freedom here. For freedom that Christ has set me free. It's so that I can eat meat, not so that I can't eat meat. Paul says, hey, I'm free to lay this down. Paul says he's seen Jesus with his own eyes. He's convinced on the authority of Jesus that it's okay. Yet he says, if it's going to cause someone to sin, I'll never do it again. He's seen Jesus. He's absolutely 100% sure that it's okay to eat. Yet he says, I'll never eat it again if I'm going to cause somebody to sin. That's love. See, this truth can be really challenging for us because our natural leaning is towards ourselves. It's to be selfish. <laughs> but we're part of a body. And as we do our part, we help the rest of the body grow. We are all interconnected, like it or not. If you don't want that, don't join the body. <laughs> it's a package deal. You get saved, you're part of the body. If you don't want that, don't get saved. Amen? It's a package deal. 
We're all interconnected. What we do affects other parts of the body. If your heart stops working, it starts affecting more than just your heart. Amen? If your lungs stop working, it affects more than just your lungs. It affects everything. That's the body of Christ. When we look at Jesus, we see the perfect example of love. You see, Jesus laid aside everything for us. He had everything. It, the Bible says he laid aside all his divine privileges. There he was in heaven. He had every privilege and every right that was rightfully his. And yet he laid it all aside. He was willing to lay it all down. He didn't come and say, hey, I'm the king of kings. How dare you talk to me like that? How dare you put me on the cross? I'm God's son. If I want to, I can call down, what, 20 legions of angels or whatever it is. Thousands of angels. I can call them down right now and have a lot of you destroyed. And here we all are shouting at Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want him. We reject him. That's what we've all done. And he doesn't turn around and say, whoa, you're going to do that to me? Watch this. He says, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's love. He lays aside everything. He doesn't pick up anything that's rightfully His. He lays it aside because we only know in part. That's why He does it. He says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's love. That's the kind of love that God pours into our lives and then he says, now work it out. See, this is not a love that we can do in our own strength. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that is working in you. Changing you to both desire and to do His goodwill. Work out what God works in. It's only as we receive the love of God. This kind of amazing love that lays down, that sacrifices... See, parents will sacrifice for their kids every day of the week. You go without because you want your kids to have. That's being a parent. That's love. Now God's saying, do that for one another. Lay down your rights. Lay down your freedoms so that you don't cause other believers to stumble. So it's not about, is it right or wrong? Is it right or wrong to have a drink? Is it right or wrong to watch this program or not? Is it right or wrong to get a tattoo? It's not about that. It's about how is it affecting other people? Have you considered them? Maybe you go to them and say, listen, I know you've got a problem here, but I really want to get a tattoo. They go, okay, don't worry about it. I won't get one, but you can get one. Then get one. Amen. Be free. That's how we walk in love. It's not about, oh, the rule says this. If you can clearly show in the Bible that it's wrong, then that's different. But there's a lot of gray areas in life. There's a lot. And some things that we think are wrong, like drinking. When I first got saved, I had a major problem with alcohol. I thought, I thought man, if I looked at a bottle of wine, that thing was evil, man. Sinful. I don't even want to see it on the table. <laughs> Why? I had a weak conscience. That's what I thought. One day God will come back and he'll say, here we go. Join the wedding feast. Here's your glass. I'll be like, whoa. 
There's something I didn't know. There's something that I thought was black and Jesus came back and he painted it white. I didn't even realize it. But for me, my conscience was saying it's wrong. So I couldn't drink because I was violating my own conscience. Do you understand what I'm, I know it's, uh, this is like, for me, this is a high grade topic. I'm only just scratching the surface. <laughs> I don't consider myself to be a theologian or anything like that. I'm what you call an inspirational preacher. <laughs> but I'm doing my best to just unpack the Bible as it is. And I know it seems like, oh, hang on a minute, I've got to lay some things down. That's what love does. You know what? One day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to experience incredible freedom. We're going to experience unbelievable things. If we have to lay a few things down, you know, if you have to sell your Holden and buy a Ford, do it. <laughs> it's no loss. <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that in to lighten the mood, man. <laughs> the, the bottom line is, the bottom line is don't exercise your freedom if it's going to cause other people to stumble. Rather hold back. Rather show them love. Have a chat to them. And if they go, actually, okay, I can see your point of view. You both know, but I won't do that. That's fine. But if you just go, I don't care what you think regardless that's a problem to God that's what this is meaning that's what it's meaning we're going to close in prayer let me trust you and just play something